Amen. I heard a statistic one time that if a child gets saved and starts going to church, 20% of the time the family will come with them. If a mom gets saved and starts going to church, 20% of the time the family will go with her. And if a husband and father gets saved, 97% of the time the family will come with them to church. If the dads move closer to God, the families move closer to God. It's just that simple. We are continuing our series called Miracles, and we are on week five. Isn't that amazing? Part five, these, these weeks have gone by. Um, we've covered all kinds of different things, but what we're basically talking about is God can do anything, but he doesn't do just anything, right? God can do anything, but he doesn't do just anything. So like if I was to pray for God to give me the ability to fly, probably going to be disappointed, right? I mean, I could rationalize it. I mean, look at the evangelistic tool the capacity to fly would be. I mean, I could fly around. You know, I could say, I give God the glory. People would be very impressed. You know, they, I'd get on the meeting circuit. You know what I mean? Like I could book meetings all over the place and, and God would give them the glory and the, the uh, transportation costs would be very low. And You know what I mean? It would, it would all make sense, right? I mean, God could use that. So Lord, give me the ability to fly. But there's no promise that I can have the ability to fly in the scriptures. There's no history of God doing that for anyone ever in the Bible. So why would I expect that? Then I'm just operating in presumption. And so what we're doing is we're looking at categories of miracles in the scriptures and looking to see what does God do? What can we expect him to do? Because God is not asleep. God is not inactive. God is not indifferent. He is active and doing things in this world. As we saw in that video, God is doing things. But we need to understand what it is that he does so that we can tap into God's power. So we've covered lots of different things so far. Covered the miracle of being born again, where God will intervene in somebody's life, take them off one path, and put them on another. We saw the apostle Paul, Saul, a a violent blaspheming persecutor who God intervened in his life and put him on a different path of serving the Lord effectively and being a minister of the gospel to this world, being born again, the change of a person's life. Then we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the effect, the specific detail with that was the heart transplant, the heart change, where we receive the fruits of the Spirit, and that is the condition of our heart, rather than the judgmental spirit, the critical spirit, the prideful spirit, the depressed spirit, the anxious spirit. Instead, we have that courageous spirit of God within us. We walk by faith. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a heart miracle. And we talked about dreams, visions, and the still small voice, hearing from God. Dreams and visions are neat. They don't happen all the time. The rubber meets the road. Hearing from God is the still small voice. So we talked about hearing the still small voice of God. And we'll probably do a sermon series on that a couple years from now. Because there was quite a response. People want to know, how do I hear from God? You know, this is a, it's a big deal. Uh, and then last week we talked about dealing with the demonic. Dealing with the demonic. So that was all kinds of fun. We had to uh, shake off some 
some stuff as we were going through the services last week, but dealing with the demonic. Three things we didn't do last week. We didn't uh, believe Hollywood. The Hollywood explanation of the demonic is not true. Uh, it's, it's all hype and, and stuff like that, so that's not what we were looking at. Uh, we also didn't do fear-mongering. You know, some people, they start thinking about uh, the spirit world and dark spirits, and they think there's a demon in every Kleenex box, and the fact of the matter is that's not the case. However, we also didn't just blindly pretend there was nothing going on, because there is a spirit world. There is good in the spirit world, and there is evil in the spirit world, and we interact with that. And we learned some important theology last week. God is good, and the devil is bad, right? Very important. Never get fooled into thinking that maybe God is mean and wants to hurt you and the devil might be a better friend. That's a lie. God is good all the time. The devil is bad all the time. And the angels who are with God are good. And the demons that are with the devil are bad. Very simple. And so then we read uh, James 4, 7, which says this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amazing, amazing verse. We need to do both of these things. We need to submit ourselves to God. If we don't submit ourselves to God, we're standing on our own strength. If we do submit ourselves to God, we're standing underneath the authority of God. It's like joining the military. When I join the military, I have the United States of America behind me. If I'm on the battlefield, if I'm serving on a foreign land, I'm not there by myself. I am under the authority of the United States of America and I have a backing because I have joined up. If I submit to God, I'm joining up with the forces of God and I am not standing alone, I am standing under the power of God. Therefore, I can resist the devil and he will flee. If I do that on my own, I'm in serious trouble. If I submit myself to God, then resist the devil, he will flee. And I gave you some helpful tips on how to resist the devil because people don't really like to talk about it, but we do end up in spiritual warfare. We do have battles we need to fight. And so um, when dark forces come at you, I got two helpful things. After you have submitted to God, here's how you resist the devil. Shut up. Get out. Right? So that critical spirit is coming up in you. I can't believe they put TVs up there instead of the screen in the middle. Shut up! (laughs) Get out! You know? Like, whatever it is, that dark thing that's coming up, you tell it to shut up, you tell it to get out. Very, very effective. All right. So, this week, we're going to talk about physical healing. Physical healing. The miracle of physical healing. So let's pray. We'll get into the new material this morning. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here. Father, I'm so thankful that there are people that come together to worship you, to honor you, to serve you, and, Lord, to to learn about your word and to encourage one another. Thank you for this group coming together. Lord, I know you want to touch each one of us with something to help us grow in you, to uh, grow closer to you, to learn how to serve you better. Lord, to to stand in stronger faith. 
Lord, there's things you want to do in our lives, and each one of us is dealing with different things. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would touch each one of us with what we need, Lord, so that we could move forward in our relationship with you. So, Lord, bless our time today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Physical healing. Probably some of the most famous miracles that Jesus did were miracles of physical healing. This was a major part of Jesus' ministry. He healed lots and lots of people. And uh, it's interesting, though, as I've been going through this sermon series and doing the preparation work and studying through things, the different miracles sometimes blend together. You know, like deliverance, getting rid of unclean spirits, and physical healing, sometimes, you know, there's sort of, there's a blurry line between the two. Like we see, we just see the words not being, being clear, but there's a blurry line. So, and then also, when I was studying healing, there was lots of stuff about forgiveness in there. And so forgiveness and healing were sort of mixed. And so you see, not clear lines between deliverance, healing, forgiveness, these different things, you know, forgiveness being the healing of our spirit, deliverance being free from dark forces, and then physical healing being the healing of our bodies. These aren't all like super distinct. They sort of blend together. And so as I've been going through this series, I've seen more clearly than ever that we we are whole people with different parts. And when one part of us is broken, it affects the other parts. You know that if you're filled with anxiety and stress, it'll affect you physically. These parts of us are interrelated. And so uh, we just need to be aware of that. If we're dealing with a physical issue, there could be an emotional issue attached to it. If we're dealing with an emotional issue, there might be a spiritual issue attached to that. There are just... These things are, it's just a little bit fuzzy. The lines aren't clearly defined. And so when we get to the end of the sermon today, we're going to look at what part of us do we need to touch from God to help to fix the whole. But before we get there, let's look at some scriptures that involve physical healing. We'll begin in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus Uh, is doing ministry. This is just before the Sermon on the Mount. If you wonder why people came to listen to him and he had to climb up on a mountainside to speak to the people, this is why. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Every disease and sickness. News about him spread all over Syria. The people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Now, in that day, they didn't have the medical care that we have now. I am so thankful for hospitals and for the opportunities that we have to have medical care that will take care of what otherwise would have been significant life-altering conditions. How many people in here have had a joint replaced? (laughs) Pretty, a few, not too bad. I tell you what though, if it was before the days of joint replacement, what would your life be like right now? 
Oh, man. You know, that's a tough deal. How many people have been sick? When I was in fifth grade, I was playing football in the yard. I was a 60-pound kid, tough as nails. You want to run into 60 pounds of fury, that was me in fifth grade. You know, like, and uh, we're playing football in the yard. But I had a friend who was in sixth grade, and he weighed 200 pounds. And so he would get the ball, and he would just lumber forward, and all the rest of us would just get drugged along the yard, and, and he'd score every time. So I said to my friend, all right, we've got to team up on this deal. You go low, I'll go high. You wrap around the ankles, I'll take care of the rest. Like, all right. So my one friend gets down on his legs, and he starts getting his legs together, and I climbed up, up to his head. And I grab him by the head, and I'm just flailing around, you know. And down goes the giant. Except he landed on my arm and broke and dislocated my elbow. And so it's all messed up. I had to go to the doctor and get surgery on my elbow and all that stuff. And and, uh, woke up. I had a cast on. It's all good. But guess what? If I lived in Jesus' day, that fifth grader has an arm that doesn't work anymore. It's just, it's not going to straighten. It's, it's just not going to work. We have amazing medical care. Imagine how many medical needs there would have been 2,000 years ago. And what a draw it would have been for someone to say, that can get fixed today. Come on. Thousands and thousands of people came to hear Jesus, to see Jesus, but to be healed of their sicknesses and diseases. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So he continues. This is his regular thing. He, he preaches. He tells people the good news of the kingdom. And he heals every disease and sickness. Matthew 15, 30 and 31. We're making the same point. I could keep making it, but this is probably enough. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Man, amazing stuff. It's no surprise that thousands of people followed him. Then, we're going to go to Acts chapter 5. The apostles continue this ministry. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. We see Peter, Acts chapter 5. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So right now, this is after Ananias and Sapphira. So, you know, you've got Jesus, he's healing people. Then Jesus is crucified and people are sad. And then you've got the... uh, day of Pentecost, and then some more time passes, and the church is formed, and Ananias and Sapphira fall dead in church, and everybody's scared, and now this is what's going on. No one else dared join them. They were scared because of the Ananias and Sapphira thing, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. 
As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. So they're in Jerusalem. They're bringing people out onto the streets. The people from the nearby towns are hauling people to Jerusalem. So maybe Peter's shadow might follow them, and all of them are healed. No wonder faith in Jesus took over the known world. This is, I mean, to try to understand what this means. It's incredible. An incredible, incredible period of time where incredible miracles happened over and over and over and over. Wouldn't it be awesome if that was going on now? That'd be just as effective as being able to fly. You know, if everyone got healed... Some people get healed. Everyone would be better. The promise is also given to us. James chapter 5, 14 through 16. So we see the progression from Jesus to the apostles to us. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we have oil up here. A friend of mine was going to Israel, so I told him, bring me some oil. He brought me some Anointing oil from Jerusalem. So here we have, we have oil. Have them come and pray in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So you see an interaction there. It's interesting stuff. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So James says a righteous man can pray and God will listen. How do we become righteous? We become clothed in Christ's righteousness, right? A righteousness that's not our our own. So we confess our sins, we be forgiven, we be clothed in Christ's righteousness, and then we pray for each other. And the prayer of righteous man is powerful and effective. Interesting how things are tied together. So we see Jesus healing, we see the apostles healing, we see the promise of the people in the churches being able to minister healing. It's time now for some testimonies. Do some testimonies. Um, I have personally seen and experienced physical healing. It's an awesome thing. Uh, I'll give you just a few examples. So uh, this hand about 10, 12 years ago was having carpal tunnel uh, symptoms, have a family history, carpal tunnel. Everybody seems to get to surgery. And, you know, didn't have health insurance. So what am I going to do? You know, I'm just a poor pastor guy. And so... I'm getting ready for church in the morning. It's a cool, you know, m- morning. And so the, the weather doesn't help any. And my hand, it just isn't able to make the chords right on the guitar. And I've had it prayed for because I know, first of all, I can't afford to go to the doctor. And, and second, I need to play, you know, I need to be able to do that. And so I'd had it prayed for to no avail. And I'm sitting there in this church by myself in the morning before church is getting ready. And I just shook my hand and said, come on. And instantly, my hand was healed. No numbness, no lack of motion, no lack of strength, just taken care of, fine. It's been 10, 12 years, not an issue. Isn't that amazing? It's fantastic stuff. Celia, I see her wearing a, a brace on her arm. And I said, oh, what, you know, what's going on there? And she's like, oh, well, I got carpal tunnel. I said, oh, I got healed from that. She's like, really? And 
She got healed from it like two weeks ago. She no, no symptoms at all after just hearing what I said. Boink. This is one of my favorite examples for how awesome of a prayer do you have to pray in order to receive a gift from God. Because we think, okay, if I do this and 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 this, then it'll work. Well, come on. How, I see no theology for that. If that's the prayer offered in faith, then praise God. But, uh, you know, hey, God is kind to us. From time to time, we see these amazing things. Uh, when I was a brand new preacher guy, this was years ago, I was at the Menomen Assembly of God Church. We had eight people. I was an interim pastor. By the way, while I was there for a year and a half, we got up to 12, so that's 50% growth. Very impressive stuff. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to say that. Um, and back then, we did testimonies and prayer requests in church. So during the service, be like, hey, what's God doing out there? Who's got a testimony? Who's got a prayer request? Let's pray for each other. You know, and, and it was good stuff. And, and uh, so we're going through this list, and everybody has the normal things. And a guy named Stanley raises his hand. He's got kind of a concerned look on his face. I'm like, Stanley, what's up? He's like, well, I have oral cancer, but it went away. Now the sores are all back. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow and I'm scared. Like, okay, Stanley. Well, let's pray then. And so we, we went through the list. Didn't do it, you know, didn't have him come up and have the elders and do the oil. I just, you know, went through the list like we did and prayed for Stanley and prayed for him to be healed. And, and I'm thinking, youch. And, uh, and then I look up after the prayer is over and Stanley's got a big smile on his face. I'm like, Stanley! What's going on? It's like, God touched me. I know I'm going to be okay. I'm like, awesome. You go to the doctor tomorrow and you come back next week and tell us what happened. He's like, okay. So he goes to the doctor. All the sores are in his mouth, just the same as they were on Saturday. You know, still all the sores. The doctors check everything out. They say there's no cancer. In the next week or two, everything heals up and he's fine. You know, like praise God. Praise God. God does good things. God does amazing things. I even think I got my brain healed. As a kid, I was like in third grade. I've told this story a few times. My teacher made me stay in from recess and write my name a hundred times because I couldn't spell my name. I mean, I was not a gifted (laughs) young man when it comes to letters. You know, I was not a man of letters. Uh, And then when I got saved, I was 19 I was, you know, I was in college and that sort of thing. You know, I I was sufficient to be able to do that. Uh, And I took a philosophy class as a non-Christian, as a freshman in college, and I got a C. And then God hit me. uh, And then I, I, you know, life happened, yada, yada, yada. Got back in school and uh, um, took philosophy classes. And I didn't even have to read the books. I got A's in all the classes. I mean, it was just easy. I already understood what was going on before people said it. And it was just like, there's types of healings that we can receive from God. You know, now I read as for my job publicly in front of people. Reading in front of people was the scariest thing in the world. I mean, it was terrifying. I still get nervous when I walk by a card catalog. I don't know if you guys have seen those things, but ho, those were terrible, terrible things. But God can touch us and change us. So that's fun. Testimonies are fun, aren't they? 
I like testimonies. We could do a list of testimonies. However, let's look at some difficult questions and difficult topics too. Because divine healing lends itself to awesome stories. But there are also disappointments and difficulties and struggles that people face in the midst of it as well. So let's take a look and let's get a deeper understanding of what's going on. One of the things that I notice is when you tell a testimony, it hears different than how it happened. You know, it hears easy. Oh, God just took care of everything. Sweet. How come God doesn't take care of everything for me? Well, uh, even with this uh, hand that got healed from carpal tunnel, I had it prayed for several times. Nothing happened. This one's still numb. You know, I guess good enough for strumming. <laughs> you know, this one works. Well, that didn't make it into the testimony. You know, uh, when we hear the testimony, we think it happens so easy. But a lot of times there's a struggle and a battle and a fight. And there's discouragement along the way. And that's just part of the reality that everyone deals with. But you don't see it. You don't hear it in the testimony. So we can assume a testimony reality that's not an actual reality. And let's look at an interesting scripture. Mark chapter 8 where Jesus is ministering healing to a person who can't see. And we see there's... A deeper thing going on here than just Jesus snapping his fingers and everything is fine. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. All right? Now, these other verses that we read, everybody's healed. You'd think this would be easy, right? See. Done. Right? So this should take maybe three seconds. Right? Isn't that what it seemed like from the other verses? He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. He's like, we're going to have to deal with this here in a little bit. I'm going to talk to these people. We'll get this done. Then we'll, then we'll deal with you. He takes him out of the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Why did Jesus ask the question, do you see anything? Because he wanted to know the answer. That's why he asked the question, do you see anything? What's the answer? Verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So did it work? Getting there, getting there, making progress. So what does Jesus do with that? I'm not a good Messiah. And he quits and runs home. No, that wasn't it. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. It was a process. It was a battle. They went somewhere else. He prayed and asked, how's it going? Well, it's a little better. All right, let's keep praying. And this is Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Son of God. He was there at creation. If Jesus has to go through a process, might we too have to fight through and have to continue and have to be disappointed along the way, but follow it through to the end? So when we hear testimonies, we can think, man, it happened in three seconds. How come for me it doesn't happen in three seconds? Well, the reality is there's a fight. There's a battle. We stand in faith. We continue 
Next difficult question. How do we have faith and be realistic at the same time? How about that one? You ever heard a preacher ask that question? How do we have faith and be realistic at the same time? Because I tell you this, more faith equals more healings. It's just that simple. So if I just preach faith, I know we'll have more testimonies. However, and it, you know, if you want to be contentious, please minister healing to everyone yourself. That'd be fantastic. However, I've yet to see 100% healings. And there's a thing that happens when people get all excited about what God's going to do and then nothing happens and they're, they're hurt. They're damaged because they expected God to do something and nothing happened. And that person breaks my heart. And I want that person to not give up on God. So how do you preach faith and be realistic at the same time? How do you do that? Well, I like Daniel faith. Let's read about Daniel. Remember Daniel in the Old Testament? They got to throw him in the fire. You throw him in the fire furnace. They got the furnace uh, so hot that the people that threw him in the furnace got killed. I mean, this is, this is Daniel. They're going to throw him in the furnace. He's a man of faith. Let's read about Daniel here and the type of faith he had. And let's get an understanding of what it means to stand in Daniel faith. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. Does this sound like faith? He's saying, you're going to throw us in the furnace. Well, guess what? God will defend us. We don't need to defend ourselves. We serve a God bigger than you. He's going to take care of us. Does that sound like faith? That sure does. Let's read the next verse. Verse 18. But even if he does not, He's going to defend us. He's going to take care of us. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. God will see me through this. God will give me the ability to fight through this. God will touch me and God will show his love for me by bringing healing in my body. And even if he does not, I will believe in him and trust in him till the day I die. That's Daniel faith. That's what I want to see. Because let me, show, let me tell you something. I've seen people battle for years and years through a serious illness. And it shows the character of the person. It shows the nobility of their character. It shows their faith in such a way that brings people around them to their knees because they see this incredible battle and the faith and love of God that's shown through this person's life. And hallelujah for that. God loves it when we stand in faith even when we don't see any results. God loves that. So we need to stand in faith, believing God for something great, but not being dependent on circumstances to keep loving God. God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to change our heart towards him. Why, next hard question, why in my time of most desperate need didn't it work 
but it did for them. Here's a great opportunity. If someone says that to you, here's a great opportunity to not say something stupid. Just keep your mouth shut and give them a hug. All right? Anything you say is probably going to be stupid. So, because that's a person, they just need a hug. Don't explain it. What are you going to explain it with? I don't know. It's time for a hug. The question is, where... Do God's sovereignty and my ability to intervene collide? You know, like, I pray for the world to change. I pray for things to be different. But God has a plan, too. And I'm not in charge of everything. So where does my ability to intervene through prayer and the sovereignty of God interact? How does that work? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not really sure. But I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep trusting God. How good do you need to be to earn a healing? How long do you have to pray to earn a healing? We don't earn healings, do we? Just God heals people. It's awesome. I know we're not going to give up praying. Seen enough miracles to know that these things happen. Seen enough healings to know these things happen. So it's not that... Uh, giving up is the answer, but there's two wrong coping strategies for dealing with prayer disappointment that I want to make sure that we avoid. Wrong coping strategy for dealing with prayer disappointment that we want to avoid. Number one is mushy nothing prayers. You ever pray and you know nothing good's going to happen, so you just pray mush. You ever done that? Well, Lord, whatever you want to do is cool. We just love you. If you want to do something nice, that's nice. But if you don't, that's cool. Whatever. Amen. What is that? You know, like, if there's pain, tell the pain to go. If there's disease, tell the disease to leave. If the prayer can't go unanswered, it's not a real prayer. Pray for it to be taken care of, for the problem to be solved, for the miracle to happen. Don't pray a mushy nothing prayer. Next thing, this is a great Christian coping mechanism, blame everything that moves. You're you're like, it was the preacher. He didn't pray good enough. Oh, it was the person who was being prayed for. If they'd have had more faith, they'd have been healed. You're like, oh, it was God's, God's fault. Well, it's my fault. I'm a bad person. God won't just blame everything that moves is a bad coping strategy, right? Let's avoid blaming. I knew a couple one time, elderly couple, she's got a degenerative hip. He doesn't want to pay for hip surgery. She was like, well, you should have faith and get your hip healed. Then we don't have to take care of it. So she went up for prayer and hip did not get healed and he was upset with her. How could you not have enough faith to not get your hip healed? What kind of a wife are you? And he's all upset. Well, how helpful is that? You know, now you've got a bad hip and your husband hates you. Like, like... It, that's not better. Blame everything that moves is a bad plan. So how do we go forward? I'm going to give some ways to go forward as I invite the prayer teams forward. We're going to close here in just a, a minute. I'm going to invite the prayer teams forward. What we're not going to do, we're not going to pray mushy nothing prayers. We're not going to blame everything that moves. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to go forward in faith 
without shame, just like Daniel. Daniel went forward in faith. He's going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, and he knows God's going to take care of him. But he also says, and even if he doesn't, even if I get incinerated in the flames, I'm not serving your gods. I love healing. I'm glad this hand works. You know, these two fingers are still numb. This side of my hand, not so great. You know, that'd be great if that gotten taken care of. But you know what? I'm not going to get mad at Jesus about that. And God loves it when we stand in faith in the middle of the storm. There are treasures in heaven that come from that. And it can be a wildly effective testimony when we stand in faith. So we stand in faith without shame. Second thing, be teachable. There are things we can learn about receiving healing, about ministering healing, about keeping healing. There are things we can learn. So lay down your pride, pay attention, be teachable. We can learn about this and get better at it. And then the third thing, so we go forward in faith without shame. We be teachable. Third thing, go forward early and often. (laughs) Believe for healing. Go forward often. Go forward regularly. Um, What do we got? NBA game seven tonight. What if you had to take a free throw at the end of the game, game seven, and the game's on the line, and you've never shot a free throw before in your life, how confident would you be? If you wait to pray for things until the crisis moment in your life, and you haven't had a, a daily, regular prayer experience and see how things work and how God responds, and if you've never even lived in that reality then in the crisis moment you're just you're just winging it we go forward often we pray all the time all kinds of prayers and requests so we're going to have individual prayer time here in just a second it's my the music is on so this is my prayer time set up what, what am I going to talk about? Obviously, we're talking about physical healing. If you've got a physical need, come and get prayer. Let's believe God. We've got the oil. We're ready to go. But I want you to look at yourself as a whole. Mind, body, spirit. What part of you needs a touch from God? If the physical thing is a manifestation of an emotional or spiritual thing, we might need a emotional or spiritual touch rather than a physical touch. We're complicated beings and there's lots of different parts to us. We don't always need a physical touch. We need whatever touch it is that we need. And so as we pray as a group, I want you to look into yourself and ask the Lord, what part of me needs a touch from you? What part of me do I need forgiveness? Do I need to be free from unclean spirits? Do I need a a physical touch? What do I need? Do I need to offer forgiveness? Do I need to receive the fruits of the Spirit? That heart transplant. What do I need? So let's pray. Let's seek and see. Then let's believe God for help.
So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. None of us are fully developed. None of us have conquered every obstacle in front of us. Lord, there are physical obstacles. There are mental obstacles. There are spiritual obstacles. Lord, there's just all kinds of things that we fight. Lord, I pray right now you would show us what is the front line and the battle. Where, what do we need? Where is that place? Where do I need a touch from you? so that I can be closer to being whole. Where is it? Show us each one. Where is the spot in our lives, in who we are, that we need a touch from you, a miracle, an intervention? Show us where that is. Lord, I pray you'd give us faith to believe you, to change it, to bring the miracle. We know you are well able Help us to stand in faith like Daniel, knowing it's going to come to pass. And of course, Daniel was delivered from the fiery furnace by your miraculous hand. But Lord, his faith wasn't dependent on that answer. He trusted you no matter what. Help us to have that type of faith. And Lord, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your peace would be on us, that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, that your joy would fill our hearts, that we would grab hold of who you are, knowing that we have everlasting life in you and we'd be filled with joy and want to share that with others. Lord, that your light may shine through us into this world and people may know you. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.